Thank you, Rachel. It's great to have you with us. I'm really glad that Rob clarified that from first service to second service. I was a little concerned about that one mom. He was quoting from that she said, it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. I was going, whoa, that's a mom there. And actually sounded more like my older sister, my only sister, actually. But So... We can all look back on our years growing up in our families and without too much difficulty identify those things that had a significant impact on who we are today. I had a conversation recently with a good friend, someone I have a great amount of respect for. This guy has enormous willpower, he has a drive to be successful and whatever he sets his heart to accomplish. And the other thing that perhaps many of you have in common, he was raised in a family whose life revolved around sports. One of the things that I've grown to respect about him is his, his high level of dedication, his perseverance, and just to, to know that he's an incredibly hard worker. And after our conversation, I understood that the foundation of where this came from was his parents and a, a culture through sports that they created in their home that valued these characteristics. Think about your own kids for a minute. In many ways, it's hard to predict what their lives may look like when they reach their 20s, their 30s, and really throughout all of their life, all the choices and decisions they make from the career that they're going to take, whether they're going to marry or remain single, and all the hobbies and interests that they might have in their life. Hard to predict. But, but we can know this, the culture you're creating in your home, what they see valued each day is most important to you, as their parent, whether it's, whether it's good or bad or, or simply foolish. You can know that this will be evident in their own adult lives. Looking back on my own life, the thing I'm most grateful for is the commitment of my mom and dad to Jesus Christ. And I I saw them live this out in one of the most difficult circumstances I think two people can have, and that's my mom's illness that affected really every, every part of, of their lives. And honestly, there's, there's no greater gift a child can receive from his or her parents than to see them faithful to God when life brought more suffering and hardship with each passing year. And there was never a doubt in my mind why they were able to do this. I knew it, I knew it came from their very consistent and, and daily study of God's word. And that's what I'd like to talk through with you today. Like I'm sure all of you, I have a, a lot of pictures in my, in my mind of mom and dad and but one of the clearest of them is seeing them reading their Bibles. And my dad always had his Bible 
laying on the dining room table, and many days it was left open from what he had read the night before. You see, Dad's time for reading the Bible was at the end of a, of a very hard day of work. My dad was a farmer, dairy farmer for many years, and that man, she got up very early in the morning, and your days did not end. Your work day did not end early. I can still see him sitting at the dining room table, sometimes so tired that he was actually just holding his, his head with his hands as he was wanting to stay focused on what he was reading. My mom, my picture of her is sitting in her wheelchair, holding her Bible on her lap, which became more and more difficult for her to do, turning the pages of that Bible as, as well as she could until no longer she had the use of her, of her hands. And reading this book that I knew, know she absolutely treasured and depended on for strength. It's impacted me more than anything else in my life as a child. It's the reason I began reading the Bible myself. And in fact, I can remember when I was 11 years old back in 1962, I read the Bible for the first time all, all the way through. I, I did that because of my, what I saw in my parents. I saw how important the truth of God's word was to them, and I, I saw the difference that it, that it made in their lives. And, and, and this morning, this is what I, I want so much for each one of you, for all of us, to be able to experience. Nothing more important, really, in many ways than what happens in, in the lives of our children through, through all of us as parents. As I, you know, I probably should just mention, as, as, I, as I talk this morning, I, I, I'm going to ask you to bear with me, okay? Don't misunderstand if I um, have less smile on my face today. It's, it's, it's really because my heart's been breaking for Becky all, all week, and especially today, because Greg always, I mean, he went over the top with Mother's Day, and I could never compete with the flowers he bought, you know? It's like, why even buy them? Because Greg's going to outdo me by 10 times, you know? Fast forward. Many of you know that Brookside began as a church back in 1981, and there was a handful of us as, as adults, and I was the only person on staff. And so one of the things that I, 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 it was my responsibility to do was to identify people and for different ministries in the church, and, 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 and certainly one of them would be, would be a high school ministry. And I mean, we only had one high school student, but we wanted to be ready for that first family that walked in the door with high school kids, and so we could say, oh, yeah, we got a high school ministry. And, and, um, and I got the guy, did a great job, Randy, uh, uh, until he and his family, they, he had a job transfer, and he moved to, to Chicago. I know that if I knew this, if I was going to have someone lead our high school ministry, I, I had to make sure that that person was disciplined in their, in their own study of God's word. And so one of the things that I, I did with, with Randy is that we met weekly. And, and in that, one of the things we did was memorize the book of Colossians. And we spent a year doing this. Now, here's why I'm telling you this. 
was back then that the verses I'm going to read in a couple minutes came to mean so much to me. They, they state as clearly as any set of verses what should be first and foremost, not only for what I did as, as lead pastor, but for every ministry we have as a church and for those who, who lead those ministries. It's for every person that we lead in ministry to grow towards spiritual maturity. And, and what I'd like us all to see today is that what is true for the church is every bit as true for us in our families and, and for those of us who are parents as, as we give spiritual leadership to our children. So if you got your Bible, uh, Colossians chapter 1, and uh, uh, beginning with, uh, with verse 24, Paul sharing his own heart. I mean, he's speaking from his heart here, and he said, I rejoice in what was suffered for you, and, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. I have become a servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that's been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the saints, and to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious Riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. We proclaim him, proclaim him, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone perfect or mature in Christ. And, and then he writes this, to this end I, I labor, struggling with all his energy, God's energy, which so powerfully works in me. There, there's some strong words in these two verses. Strong words. They, they express Paul's driving passion and his level of commitment to make it happen, not only in his, in his own personal life, but, but in the lives of those he, he leads. And and, and what they do for all of us today is, is they bring front and, and center what more than anything else should be the driving passion for our own lives and the driving passion for what we can do to impact the lives of others. It's for ourselves and it's for others to be spiritually mature. Now, I love babies. Man, there's just babies all over this place and you know, uh, I thought you'd be kind of fun. Those are some of our staff members. Uh, ladies first, that's, that's Beth Jansen, absolutely beautiful little girl. Uh, any guesses who that little guy on the left is? That's John Alford. Not pretty good, huh? Pretty cute. How, how about the guy in the middle? John Houston. Man, you know, what happens to us when we grow up? Yeah. Yeah, myself included, all right, but boy, am I in trouble. Okay, now, I love babies, but babies are meant to stay babies. And the same is true for us spiritually. I, you know, I love it when someone first becomes a child of God, but, but it's a sad deal if they remain at that level of spiritual infancy. I mean, it really is. My heart aches every time 
this happens. Because spiritual babies aren't meant to stay babies. We're all meant to grow up. In, in the rest of, of his letter, Paul, Paul gives to us specific examples. And we're going we're gonna to see this over the next several weeks to show us what it means to be spiritually mature. How, how this looks in the real stuff of life. But, but before he does this, he takes the time to emphasize how important it is for us to make this our, our driving passion. And he, and, and he does this by showing the Colossians what it meant in his own life. He, he, he writes about the level, his own level of commitment to make this happen. I just want to say it again. You know, in some ways, it's hard to find anything more important than what we can do, than the influence, the impact that we have on children. I just, everything within me wanted to do this sermon right today. So 9 o'clock last night, I, I just realized, man, there's more work I got to do on this sermon. And so uh, I'm glad I don't do this every week, but I actually started working on this sermon some more because I wanted to say this right. And, and so I ended up over here at the building last night after midnight, and one of the youth guys was over here working. That's, that's when youth guys work because, you know, after really do their best work after midnight and but I did it because there's nothing really hardly anything more important than what we do for our children so look at Paul's commitment look how he said this in verse 29 he said I mean I could just feel the passion in him he said to this end a labor struggling with all God's energy which which so powerfully works in me Greek word for labor means I, I work myself till it hurts. It's, it's a very strong term. It's another way of saying that we're giving it everything we have. In fact, the, the closest English word that we have to the, to the word in Greek is the word agony or agonizing. It's a, it's a word used in athletics where we push ourselves to the point of physical agony. We we do it because we have this goal in front of ourselves. We, we, want, to, we want to achieve something. It, it could be a, a personal goal that we set for ourselves, or it could be simply wanting to beat our opponent. And we're willing to do whatever it takes to achieve it. Almost two years ago, you might remember this. I think it was about two summers ago. I... Um, I did a sermon on spiritual discipline where I, talk about, I talked about my experience with pull-ups. Anybody remember that? And I actually had a pull-up bar up here, and I, 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 I just showed all of you how I went from my embarrassing one pull-up to, and I think I did 12 pull-ups that day when, it, when I was with you. So now i got to tell you, anybody here ever do pull-ups? Uh, yeah, they're not fun, right? It's not fun. Each week there are a little piece of agony in my life. Which has gotten a lot worse since I, I started working out twice a week with a guy in the church, Kyle, Kyle Cheatham. Now if you know Kyle, Kyle's a good guy. 
but he's a lot stronger than me, and he's a lot younger than me. In fact, he's about half my age. I'm 61. I think Kyle's 32 or 33, and he's, he's absolutely determined that we're going to keep on pushing ourselves. So we start working out together, and it's like we're in two different worlds when it comes to how much we're able to do with weights. In fact, the thing I keep praying about is that when I spot him, I'll be able to keep getting stronger, you know, so like I don't drop the weights on him. He doesn't, well, he doesn't know I pray, you know. But, but, but I was doing more pull-ups than Kyle when we started doing this together, uh, at least for a little while. In January, we set a goal of 20 pull-ups by, by the end of this year, which was good because I was stuck somewhere between 12 and 14. And so two weeks ago, I was at 19. And I was thinking, I'm going to beat him. I'm going to beat him to 20. And then last week, he does it. Now he makes it to 20. And I got to tell you, it just really ticked me off. <laughs> yeah? I'm honestly, I was like... I almost wanted to cheat, you know, and say, no, you weren't quite up all the way, you know. But, but you know what? It, it, it's all good because it's motivating me to put up with more agony in my life. In fact, Kyle came up with this idea. You know, we do our first set of, of pull-ups without any help at all. So we do our 19 and, yeah, 20 pull-ups. And then we do a second set. And what, what you do with this machine is you got a bar you can put, if you've ever done it, you can put your feet on. And, and what we do on the second set and the third set, we start out with the, the least help that the bar can give us. And then we keep moving it down. And we keep doing it, you know, every time we need to move it down to do a few more. And we do it until we do 25. And then we do a third set of 25. It is miserable. It's just absolutely no fun. It's absolutely, I mean, the only thing fun about it is laughing when Kyle's doing it and him laughing when I'm doing it. Yeah. It's the word agony that Paul uses to describe his efforts to lead others towards spiritual maturity. I mean, he's totally committed to this goal. He, he believes in it with all of his heart and but, but what he's done to help others, you know, to make this happen in the lives of others has, you know, it's, had a, it, it's brought a huge amount of misery into his life, a whole lot of physical and emotional suffering. So how does he feel about this? Well, he tells us in verse 24, he said, I, I rejoice in what was suffered for you. I, I rejoice in it. Now, Paul isn't saying that he enjoys the suffering. He, he's saying that he's thankful for the privilege of suffering because of, because of what it's made possible in the lives of other believers, in, including the Colossians. Well, you might be asking yourself, well, how far was Paul willing to go with this? How much was he willing to suffer? Well, first of all, the thing to know is he's writing this letter from a Roman prison, so he's waiting to find out if he's going to live or die, and it, and then Paul, Paul was very reluctant for anybody to know how much he really suffered. I mean, he just didn't want to talk about it. But in his second letter to the Corinthians, he had to talk about it because there were false teachers coming into that church and, and they were trying to discredit Paul. And so he, he wanted these people to know how much, he, how much he had really suffered for them, how much he really cared for them. And and so this is what we find out. We find out that he's been in prison many times, not just once. He's, 
He's been whipped many times. He's been beaten with rods. He, he was stoned. He, he spent days without sleep. He's gone days without food. In fact, I love this one little phrase. He said, three times I was shipwrecked. I, I spent a night and a day in the open sea. <clears throat> this is how important it was to Paul. That's how important it was. To help other believers grow in spiritual maturity. I mean, that, that's the extent to which he was willing to suffer. And it was that important to him. Which begs the question. It did for me, it begs the question. How important is this in your own life? How, how important is spiritual growth toward spiritual maturity? Is, is it for you to, in the lives of those who are the closest to you? If, you? if you're married for your husband or for your wife, if you're a parent for your children. Where does your own spiritual growth rank when you think of everything that's important to you? Yeah. How important is it to you for yourself and and for those you love to grow from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. And, and, and what are you doing to make it happen? See, I'm convinced this is especially critical for us to consider as parents. You know, I'm sure if I took a mic and, and I, I went out, you know, among you this morning and I asked you what's most important to you in the lives of your children, I'd be surprised if you didn't have an immediate answer. I mean, we all know what's important to us for our children, don't we? We do, right? And really the best way for us to see, you know, to see this is, is, is what we make sure to include in our life and in their lives. We, we make time for what we value. If you want your son or daughter to do well academically, there are certain things you... You do to help them achieve this, and you do, you, I mean, you do what you need to do to help them, right? And, and, or if you want them to excel in sports or in music or whatever it might be, there, there's things that you do to give them what they need to achieve what they hope to achieve. Whatever it is that's important to you in the life of your child, you do what you can do to help them achieve it. And, and so the question that I'm asking us today and myself included is, is how important is your child's spiritual growth and, and, and what are you doing as a parent to help make it happen and, and here's the deal everybody we just can't miss this. this this isn't something that you hand off to someone else to do for you earlier I told you about a friend this friend of mine who is hard working his life is marked by perseverance but here's what he told me in our conversation and this this is almost his exact words he said I'm so thankful that my parents use sports to instill the values of hard work and and perseverance and teamwork and all of that but but he said I and I he said I lost 10 years of impact for Christ because I didn't learn the importance of spiritual maturity until after college he said, oh yeah, we went to church as a family. 
But it was clear that what they valued was what I accomplished in sports. Not my spiritual advancement. Don't miss this, everybody. Think of everything that you want for your children. Think of everything that you want. And you know what? You can know with certainty that it will have far greater value for them and they'll achieve far more if Jesus Christ is at their center. The center of their life of spiritual maturity is more, to, more important to them than anything else. So for this reason, you know, for this reason, it's, it's worth the investment of your time to helping your children grow spiritually. And, and, and I'm just going to say it to you again. This, this isn't something that you hand off to someone else to do for you. No question about it. As a church, as a church we're responsible to provide the best possible teaching and, and guidance in your, in your children's life. I mean, I just got a, I got a letter this past week from two of the parents in our church and just thanking me for what our, our student ministry has done in the lives of their three children. I love getting those letters. That's what we want to do. But not for one minute. Not for one minute should what Brookside does take the place of what you do as a parent. And, and at the very core of this is, is teaching our children spiritual truth from God's word. And, and, and here again we can learn from Paul's example. I just love his statement in verse 25. He said, I have become its servant, that is the servant of the church, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Paul's saying, I'm a servant of the church. I'm a, and he's, he's really saying the priority for me is, as in serving you is, is to take God's word and just give it to you in all of its fullness that you can understand everything that it, that it means. This is so important to Paul. If you read the verses that follow, you'll see that the fullness of God's word is everything that it reveals to us about Jesus Christ. And, and really, this is, this is the reason it's so important for us. It, it, it's found in the statement that Paul makes about Christ in verse 3 of chapter of the next chapter, chapter 2. He said, he said this about Christ, in, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know, these days, what our world values and what our world claims to be true is coming at us from every direction, isn't it? And so much of it is just the very opposite of, of what is right and what is true and what is good. I mean, if there was ever a time we as parents need to make it a priority to teach our children the wisdom and the truth of God's word, I, I'd say it's right now. And it begins with us. First of all, what, what you and I are doing as parents to, to make God's word a part of our daily lives so that it, it guides us in what we value and the choices that we make so, so that we're given what we were needed to grow to spiritual maturity ourselves. 
Again, I got to tell you, it made such an impact on me to see. I mean, I, I remember looking at my parents' Bibles, looking at my dad's Bible laying on the table and, and looking at my mother's Bible, and they were worn out. I mean, it was very obvious that my parents used those Bibles a lot. Is that true for you? And then it's what we're doing ourselves to teach our children the truth of God's word. I mean, we're, we're intentional about this each day, taking time each day to read to them from the Bible and, and then talk about its truth as it relates to their, to their life and to our lives. And you know what's so good about this? Is it really doesn't take rocket science. You don't have to go to seminary or... Bible school or something like that to do. In fact, you know what? You could, you could be here today and, and you've, you've hardly ever cracked open a Bible yourself as a parent. And, and you're saying, man, I want to do it. You, you know what's so good about, about reading the Bible to our children, if, especially if, if the Bible's all new to us? We get to use a children's Bible. Yeah? I mean, it's just a... It is such a sweet deal, and I, I've, I've had this conversation with more than one guy about this, where I've said, man, if the Bible's hard for you, if it's hard to dig into and get to know, man, just use a child's Bible. Great place to start. Beck and I went through a bunch of those with our kids. Glad we did. You know, I think of how much our son Greg was into sports. I mean, basketball, he loved it. That kid loved it. I could just hear the sound of the basketball hitting. In fact, it was hitting our house because we had to put it on our, on our house. We had a, like a single-car garage, and I can still hear bang, bang, bang. And, but it was fun hearing it. And you know what? We did what we could to help him do his best. And we went to all his games, and I'm so glad we did. But you know what? It doesn't even come close to how thankful I am for the effort we helped to make him grow spiritually. Because you know what? Basketball is very temporary. You know, you have it for a period of time, and, and then it's, it's not as big a deal anymore. You know, in the kids' sort of a way. But you live life every day, don't you? And how important it is for us to, to help our children learn how to live life. And, and there's no better place, there's no better way to do this than to take them into God's Word and, and just read it every day. I, you know, I, Becky grew up in a family of seven kids, and... Her dad, who was also a farmer, every single morning, I mean, like clockwork, they would the whole family, seven kids sitting around this family, and her dad would read from the Bible, and he would pray. I said, big part of the reason Becky is who she is today. So moms, God bless you for everything you do. God bless you. Especially teaching and living God's word in front of your children. And, and dads, this is what i got to say to you this morning. The best gift you can give your children's mom is, is to make reading and studying God's word a daily priority in your life. Have a Bible that gets worn out. 
The best gift you can give your children's mom is to lead your family in reading God's word each day and listening to the Spirit of God speak to you. Yeah. Let's stand. I'll close in prayer. Ladies, as you walk out today, and this is for all, all of our women, we want you to know we have a flower for you as you leave this morning. And uh, remember, Rachel's CDs, if you're interested, are in the lower lobby. Let's, let's pray. Father, I, uh, I pray this morning for that husband or wife who right now in their life, the, the person they're married to, the, things aren't where they, they could be spiritually. I pray, Father, that you will strengthen that husband, that wife to remain faithful to you. And Father, to keep on doing what's right. And Father, I pray for that day to come that the person they're married to will, will understand their spiritual need. Or Father, even beyond that, understand how important it is to be a spiritual leader. I pray, Father, for that parent today whose child is far from you. I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will strengthen them to trust you. And to keep on grabbing every opportunity, Father, that you give an open door into the life of that child to share the truth of your word and to do it with grace and with love. And Father, this morning I pray for every parent who's lost a child and every child who's lost a parent. And I ask God for your comfort and for your strength. In Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you.